Welcome into the latest edition of the Sharpshooters. I'm David Schuster, joined today by a giant in the world of journalism and covering basketball for a long time, Mr. Sam Smith, who again has covered the Bulls for a long time. He'll tell us about that and the NBA as well. And uh, he's also written a few books. And of course, you all remember Sam's book about the, the Jordan rules. And then I, Sam, you had to follow up on that book too, didn't you? After the Jordan rules? I actually did a trilogy, David. Thanks. Good to talk to you. Good to uh, be with you again. Um, I did a trilogy. It wasn't Homeric as much, but I ended up doing three books on Jordan. One when he came back in 95, which was such, um, you know, a scene as you remember. And then I, I did actually the third one, which was sized much, not not distributed much, but it, but it was it was I thought it was really good. Sort of, uh, it was called "There Is No Next," and it was it was sort of the idea that you know we kept having. And I remember actually it was sort of inspired. I remember uh, ESPN was promoting this. Uh, Kevin Kevin Durant, I think, was having this series of the, like twenty five point games and. They'd start to broadcast every night and say, well, you know, this is like his 17th straight 25-point game. And I'm thinking, every game I ever saw, Jordan did that. <laughs> What's the big deal? <laughs> and so, you know, because they were always trying, you know, LeBron, who's going to be the next Jordan? And, and you know, my, the conclusion was there is no next. That That's that's the guy, and there's not going to be another one. So that, that was the third one. And, and at least I'll just throw in a promo for myself here since we're doing this. I did one called A History of the uh, a League in the 60s and 70s called Hard Labor that has, I, I guarantee, a money-back guarantee. If you don't feel it has stories about the history of the NBA in it, I will refund your money. Fair enough. I'll, 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 I'll keep that in mind. Uh, by the way, this podcast is brought to you by DraftKings. More from our sponsor in just a little bit. Why don't we start with what you already just touched base on. There will never be another Michael Jordan. And I'll go to my grave saying Michael Jordan is the greatest athlete, not much less basketball players, the greatest athlete I'll ever hope to be associated with and, and witness. And I had the best seat in the house at center court for all his career. You know, if you could sum up Michael Jordan, how would you sum him up, Sam? You're right. There'll always, it'll always be a debate, which is great for sports. I mean, and, and obviously LeBron in recent years, and, you know, he's, he's going to surpass virtually every record just on longevity, yeah. you know, sort of like Tom. If you stick around long enough and you're healthy and all that, and you know he, he'll have he's having more injuries in recent years, and pro, you know probably will some, but you know, he is remarkable. Um, and and I always judge the way I always judge Hall of Fame and excellence uh, because you get in debates in that is you know you know when you are era, and you know what you've done and and not only what you've done but your impact and and obviously you know, Jordan threw his ear into the late eighties, you know, through the nineties was obviously dominant, but, it, but the difference, what separates Michael to me is his impact on society. Nobody who, other than really maybe Ali and Ali at the time, you, you know, didn't have that impact. It was, um, you know, such an ambivalence in the public, you know, there was, there was a lot of negativity toward him and, you know, similarly with Jackie Robinson, you know, later on that he came to be because of the times respected more. But Michael, throughout his career, almost from the beginning, was not only this beloved figure, uh, even among those who he's beating, but he influenced a society and the world like nobody else ever really in sports, you know, between the fashion, you know, with the shoes and the earrings and the long shorts and the expansion of the NBA. You know, David Stern, 
uh, would always talk about you know, they were expanding to Asia and, and they didn't know about the NBA. They, they, hadn't, they hadn't heard of it. I remember him saying he had brought up Scotty Pip, heard his name. They didn't know who he was. And this is after the, uh, after the Bulls had won titles, but he said they mentioned, oh, Jordan, the Red Oxen. They knew the Bulls, and they called the Bulls in Chinese, uh, the Bulls were the Red Oxen. And and they all knew Jordan. They didn't know anybody else in the whole league. And so, you know, this impact that one person had just by by his play, and you know, you're right, yeah, I mean, you had a better seat than all of us. You know, early, a lot of those years in the stadium, you know, we were up in the Media was up in the hockey press box in the baseline. You, you were always center court all the time. We had better seats in Boston and New York and a lot of on the road. But that combination of competitiveness, which you know, even his father, you know, you know, called like a sickness. But it was really what showed was this incredible love for the game. That I think that that whether people understood it and 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 calculated it as not was this incredible appeal. That, that people saw this absolute enthusiasm, love for the game, for winning, for competing, uh, even beyond all the controversies, you know, some of which I was a part of or, you know, initiated with some of the books I wrote. But, you know, way beyond that, that, that always there was a purity to the game in this. And you remember the famous love of the game clause, supposedly. We don't even know whether it was in his contract or not or what it meant. But even when, you know, remember when he when he got hurt second year, break his breaks his foot. He wants to team wants to do rehab. He goes home to North Carolina not to do rehab, which he said he was, but to play ball, to play pickup. You know, now between I mean, never missed games. It it was, you know, he would go full season. You look at the stats. He never sat out. I remember one season, I think it was 88, 89. He missed one game in Boston. I mean, we went to Boston. He wasn't there. And it's like a shock. Michael Jordan is not playing. And 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 that was the other thing, not to you know, not to condemn current players, load management, and some of it is team-oriented with you know, protecting your supposed assets, which I hate that word used for, for people. Um, but he understood not only who he was to show off, um, but his responsibility to the game and the people who came to the game. We would be at exhibition games, as you know, in the NBA played all over the country in non-NBA cities. We'd be in Nebraska. I remember this, the old St. Louis arena, it, long after he moved. And, and he'd come out and play 35 minutes all the time and, and you know, be throwing himself all over the place because and, – and I remember he would say, you know, they'd say to him, why don't you take a break, you know, sit this one out. And he said – you. You know, these people, they may never had an opportunity to see an NBA game. And, you know, it's my responsibility for the NBA and this team, you know, to, to bring them, you know, a show, to bring them, uh, you know, a performance. And, and, and when they're broken down, even though it's about wins and losses and number one fingers and all that stuff, you know, it's like a great Broadway show, performance. And, and he, he just was the greatest performer night in and night out that that – Anybody has ever been. And, and you know what, Sam, you also brought up the word competitiveness. I've never seen anybody. I mean, I saw Michael, you know, honestly, he, he would play poker after playing a round of golf with the kitchen help, and he would take their pennies. Honestly, he would do that because that's how competitive he was. But I'll never forget, and it's ironic because I brought this up talking to somebody earlier today, 
It was the home and home, the Saturday Sunday game against Washington, and LeBradford yeah. Smith had the game of his life. I mean, he sold his soul to the devil that night or afternoon, and he scored 42, and and he walked off the court, you know, and he, he gave it to Michael, and Michael was pissed off about it. You could tell he was pissed off. Well, the schedule was in his favor because it was home and home. And the next day, Michael had 40 on him roughly at the half. And so that's just the way he was. He he would step on your throat. He would step on his grandmother's throat to win a basketball game. And I love that about the guy. How could you not? All right. And fans, you know, you always hear about the playing to win. And, and that's what it was. He played to win and, and you know, at, at everything. I mean, we know all the famous stories about, you know, in the airports, because we, you know, we all traveled commercial and together back then. And, you know, he would he, he would bribe the baggage handlers to send his bag down first while the guys were standing around the carousel betting on whose ba- you know, bag would come. You know, everything for just, you know, for fun, for a competition. You know, I, before I'd written and, and it, it was amazing too the way he rose to. And and like he said, you know, he missed plenty of last shots. And, you know, frankly, when he hit the game winner in Cleveland, you know, really that turned the franchise around in 89, you know, the shots the game before, which is often often forgotten. He missed two free throws, game went into regulation, and and the, the Cleveland actually darted a couple of free throws to win the game, you know, giving the Cavs home court advantage and going, and, and going back. <laughs> and I remember, actually, they used that clip, I think, in the last dance, um, he, he, you know, before the game, and the Bulls had been swept that year by Cleveland with six zero oh, and six. You know, and, and and the first game they kind of flipped the series because Morris was hurt, and uh, you know they ended up playing Ron Harper at point guard, which he wasn't, and and it, you know they lost in the Bulls. But okay, so now it flips back to game five, and in Cleveland, you know the Bulls are underdogs, and, and the team's going to go through a big shakeup if they lose this one. You know, Cleveland has swept them the season. And he walks up to, you know, me and Kent and McPhail and Lacey Banks, who were the three traveling uh, beat writers that year. And uh, I, I think Lacey had picked the Cavs in three. Kent had picked the Cavs in four. And I picked the Cavs in five, figuring, you know, well, uh, Jordan's there. But we all picked the Cavs to win the series. And so he walks up before this game's the right to start, points to Lacey, said, we took care of you. Points to Kent, he said, we took care of you. And he points to me and he said, now we're taking care of you. You know, who does that stuff? I mean, I mean you know, really, I mean, that's, that's, nobody does stuff like that. The one other I wanted to mention, I played golf with him a couple of times before I wrote books. Anyway, so he, he he's obviously, you know, a good golfer, not a great golfer by any means. Um, and so he's playing and he's shooting around low 80s or something. We get to the 18th hole and now word's kind of gotten out that Jordan's on the course. This is like in the late 80s and, you know, he's big in Chicago, but not nationally had the one any titles or anything. So there's now about 80, 80 or 100 people kind of gathered around the 18th green and, and he gets it on the green in two, a par four, but he's like 35 feet around from the cup. And so... He, now he starts looking at the pot and he's walking around and he's plumb bob and he's doing all this stuff. And I'm, you know, I say to the guys we're playing with, what's he doing like that for? Why? You know, now he's drawing attention to himself. Five foot putt that he's got no chance of making. And of course he makes it, you know, so, I mean, he had this incredible ability, you know, when, when not only when the, you know, the stakes were the highest and the pressure was the most, 
you know, but the spotlight was on you to be better than he, he was even before. And, and, and that's such a unique ability. And, you know, not to denigrate LeBron, but, you know, we know he doesn't like to be at the free throw line at the end of the game. Shaq didn't like, you know, a lot of players don't like to be that. And it's not that they're scared. It's just tough to p- produce all the time. And, and, and he, it, the pressure situations enabled him to produce better. And, and that's such an unusual characteristic among anybody in pro sports. Hey, uh, you know, I can go on and on and on and about Michael. I mean, we could do this all day, all night, but I want to just ask you one more going sort of back in time before we get to the current Bulls uh, and the rest of the NBA. Uh, I haven't had a chance yet to read Scottie Pippen's book, Being a Good Reporter. I'm waiting for a free copy, of course, and eventually I'll get one. But, Buy a uh, book, David. We <laughs> authors want people to buy. We, I, never, I never understood that why people think of all people, you know, sports writers should give out free books. We write them because we're sports writers and can't afford that much. (laughs) Abby Hoffman told me at a young age to steal this book. (laughs) So (laughs) I don't want to pay for anything. Anyway, um, but I haven't read uh, Scotty's book. Obviously, everybody knows that, you know, he's uh, done scorched earth, you know, in in regards to the book. Uh, What do you make out of the whole thing with with Scotty? and, And where do you think he is in his life right now? And actually, I mean, you know, it's the easy part to sort of diminish it or make fun of it. I actually think he's ha- he's really in a dark place. I think that's what this is all about. I'm not, you know, I'm not close with him. I haven't seen him in, you know, several years. Uh, we used to be close, but had a falling out. I haven't spoken to him probably in 10 years. Um, and actually, we, you know, we were so close to the point, I actually did have a book contract with him in 95 to write his uh, book then. And he should have written it then because he liked Jordan then. (laughs) Um, I I just think, you know, a lot of stuff's happened in his life. You know, he lost a child. Um, His wife, you know, he got an ugly divorce and he has seemed to be belittling him what little of of social media I'm able to get on, unlike you. And, uh, you know, and, and he's really you know, separated himself from basketball, from broadcasting. And I, I think he's really suffering. And it's unfortunate that the way it came out, because the odd thing was, the amazing thing was, Jordan was nicer to him than anybody else. Michael wasn't nice to any teammates. I mean, as you know, being around Horace, he was brutal on Horace. He was brutal on, on Longley, Kukoc. I mean, others beyond that, you know, Brad Sellers and Dennis Hobson. I mean, Rodney McRae. I mean, the guy, there's some guys who literally ran out of league. And Scott, you know, he, even at that crazy Hall of Fame speech of his, which actually I like, you know, he commended Scotty, best teammate I've ever had, couldn't have done it without. I mean, the nicest things he ever said were about Scotty. So, I mean, this it was, it was really, I wouldn't say baffling, because like I say, I think he's going through a dark place. And I will tell you from writing, people say, well, he did it for the money. You know what? I'm still on your show. I can't make that much money. You know, books, books are great. And, and, you know, I do them because I'm a writer. That's what I do. But, but you don't necessarily do them for money. I mean, maybe if you're Barack Obama or something, but that book didn't change his life financially in any way. So, uh, it's unfortunate that he did it. I think he did it in later years, but you know, people make mistakes. It, 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 you know, I guess in a word, it was stupid. 
Yeah, I, I agree with you 100% on everything you just said. All right, enough of the past. Uh, let's talk about the present. I mean, the Bulls are a really nice story right now. I don't know if they win a championship this year. I think they still lack a little bit. And But who knows in this COVID crazy times what ultimately is going to happen even this season. They're 22-10 and 10 as we speak right now. They're one game behind Brooklyn. They've been, you know, if you take a look, I mean, DeMar DeRozan right now, if it wasn't for Steph Curry, he might be leading the MVP uh, category. Uh, Steph's going to win it ultimately. Zach Levine is going to be an all-star again. Billy Donovan could be coach of the year. Arturis Karnishevis could be executive of the year. I mean, what, what, what are your thoughts on the Bulls overall from what we've seen through 30-plus games? It, it's it's really been a, a remarkable turnaround. I mean, it's one of the uh, – and, 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 and in some respects, I think it it, it, it it potentially changes a lot of thinking in the NBA. And the NBA tends to follow, you know, things that work and that always happens. You know, but what they did, you know, in other words, it was always, well, you got to you got to put together a super team, you know, get a big LeBron, big three, get the big players. You know, DeMar DeRozan was not considered that in that. Lonzo Ball was not considered that in that group. Vucevic, you know, all-star, good players, you know, but not in this elite, you know, category. And in they took they they went and 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 acquired veteran players to you know to sort of put together a team. And you're right, you never can tell who win a title and you know this season with the COVID. Now, now particularly, I think it'll come out of it. You know, when we get towards spring. I, I think we'll resume. You know, regular. You know, be able to tell competitively how teams are tell now because everybody's out all the time and you you know you don't know you're not playing against equal talent of, of any level but but i i really do think you know it's a lot about luck but a couple of factors happen one is the rest of the league has come back to the bulls there's no more super teams you know LeBron, i mean clearly the only always the idea of super team was sort of built around lebron and, and that's over with with Anthony Davis and all the issues they have. Westbrook, you know, the team they put together, it's barely a playoff team, you know, because of the circumstances. Yeah, Golden State, you know, is getting Thompson back and good. But, you know, still the, the difference in that Golden State team, that great season. But Durant came in there and really elevated to super team level. They're, they're not that. They'll be, they, they'll be a really good team. Look, to me, the Bulls have better talent than the Phoenix Suns. I mean, I would match the Bulls' talent in the Phoenix Suns. And, and it's good. Milwaukee is defending champion. They got some luck. You know, if Durant is standing six inches behind that line, they're out of the playoffs in the second round. And, you know, Mike Budenholzer is not the coach anymore. And, you know, so this luck, like I said, stuff happens. But you know what? If, 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 if I'm. Giannis is better than anybody on the Bulls. Not sure Chris Middleton or Holiday could start for the Bulls because Zach Levine and DeMar DeRozan are both better than Middleton. And Lonzo Ball is at least equal to Holiday, certainly defensively, which is his specialty, and now has become a good three-point shooter and is younger and more athletic and all those sort of things. So that's the end of the team. And Philadelphia with Simmons thing is obviously not getting – so – all these really good teams have stepped back and the bulls by putting together what they did. I mean, the fact of the matter is, is they have three legitimate all-star players and, and Zach Levine, and you know, here in Chicago, as, as well as anywhere has been unappreciated uh, because the team has not been successful. 
I mean, a year ago, you know, a lot of the narrative in Chicago was, can we get Ben Simmons for this guy? You know, should they pay him? I, I remember stories less than a year ago in, in, you know, local newspapers saying, oh, they, you know, you can't give him uh, Levine a max. Why would you give him a max? I mean, he, to me, he's one of the 10 best players in the league. And maybe other than probably the best, the best shot maker in the league. I mean, I, I would, I, it, and certainly tough shot maker. Yeah, obviously Giannis is not a shot maker. Durant, actually, I mentioned uh, Durant's my MVP more than Curry, um, but you know it's close. But I, you know, I think you know what Giannis Levine is in <laughs> should be in that discussion. I mean, who scores easier? I mean, he was a 27, 28 point scorer. You put a twenty five point, twenty six point scorer next to him in DeRozan, and he's still averaging twenty six points. I mean, it's, it's it's pretty remarkable. So they got some real talent, and you know, credit to what they did too. And and I didn't see that. I didn't see that in Caruso. You know, Lakers obviously made a mistake, let him go. But more than that, you know, playing behind LeBron, you know, or with LeBron, you don't get the ball. And and the Bulls get an opportunity to have the ball, you know, do other stuff, to play some more minutes. And so now, you know, with Caruso and, and, and Ball, I thought the Bulls had assembled a really high-level offensive team. And defense, because of those guys, is, is much better, you know, because and, – and I agree, you know, with Vucevic and DeRozan, not defensive players, you know, the team got criticized for it. I, I thought he was okay, you know, average. But now you put those two other guys in there, and and you've got a competitive offensive and defensive team. Maybe it's a little small, but you know Golden State is really small. Uh, you know the NBA's changed. You know, so you don't you don't throw the ball inside anymore to succeed. Uh, and and I, and I think also you know the Rosen changing things too. And other teams looked at the finals last year. The finals was one was played by two teams that primarily shot mid range. Middleton was shooting a lot of mid range. Of course, Giannis. Obviously, is playing inside, and Chris Paul doesn't shoot threes very much, and, and and Booker can, but you know they were making. When you watch that final series, the key baskets were always coming from mid range, and that and that's you know, and then that was sort of the criticism of DeRozan. Well, he's not a modern NBA. He's not analytics. It's not going to work. Yeah, he, he scores thirty points. You know, wins. You know, in L.A. against the Lakers with LeBron in the game. Doesn't shoot a three, doesn't even attempt a three, you know. So there's something going on there that they've got going. And I, I think I think they really have a chance, you know, to, to make a strong run. There are other teams at their level. Miami's at their level. Philly can be if they get uh, uh, Simmons back. Brooklyn, if Kyrie, who knows if he can play, he'll ever be able to play in New York. He's going to play, obviously, but, you know, still can't play in New York. Uh so, you know, there are good teams that can beat them, but they're capable now of beating any of those teams. Take a breath for a second, Sam. Let me just do this read from our sponsor. That, of course, is DraftKings. And hockey hockey fans, DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL, has a no-brainer offer that will make you a winner once any shot gets past the goaltender. New customers can bet just $1 on any NHL game and win $100 in free bets if either team scores. The NHL got rid of ties in 2005, so you know someone is going to light the lamp. If Sportsbook isn't available in your state yet, no worries. 
Everyone can play for huge cash prizes all season long with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Hockey Contest. DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. So download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code TBPN. Throw down $1 on any NHL game and win 100 in free bets if either team scores a goal. That's promo code TBPN. This week at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL. You must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Minimum $5 deposit and $1 wager required. One per customer. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash Sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Uh, one more, uh, Sam, um, and again, we appreciate Sam Smith, who now works for Bulls.com, but Sam has been around the block and has covered the NBA, and, and I could talk to Sam all night, but we're not going to keep him here all night, even though this is probably the best thing he's going to do all night. Right, Sam? Unfortunately, you know my life too well. <laughs> uh, more more on the Bulls roster. I mean, Ayo DeSumo, I was talking to a friend of mine down in Champaign, and he asked me, what do you think? I go, i got to be honest with you. I liked him in college, but I never thought that he would be at this juncture as successful as he's been, as helpful as he's been. Uh, the kid is fearless. That was what Billy Donovan called him early on in the season. He's right. His outside shot is is getting better all the time. He's able to go to the basket. And I think playing along with Lonzo Ball and Alex Caruso, his defense has gotten better because he wants to emulate those two guys as well. So he's been a very, very pleasant surprise. And ultimately, he probably will make Kobe White expendable. That's a guess. Well, I, you know, I, I think that would be a mistake, actually. Uh, maybe, maybe inevitably, you know, because Kobe at a certain point. And I, I know that's a popular notion in Chicago now. You know, I was a local guy. Illinois got a lot of attention. And, and, you know, you could tell, you know, being at the games, who fan favorites are, you know, uh, it was Scalabrini at one time, you know, not to, you know, not to compare Io with Scalabrini. Io's a lot more, you know, contributes a lot more. And, and as a, I think talented is the word, but go ahead. Well, he, he, Brian was talent, talented, but not not quite NBA level all the time. Um, but yeah, you know, clearly a fan favorite over Kobe for whatever reason. But I, but I'll tell you one thing. And and not to diminish Io because as a second round pick, he's been great. Everything he said, you know, is true. You know, he's been helpful. You know, something of a surprise. Improving defense has been, you know, terrific. And especially recently with you know Ball and Caruso out, he did a great job on uh, Trey Young. Of course, Atlanta, Atlanta was playing basically their entire G League team, so it's tough to tell. But one thing, one thing, people I think are. I've heard this from a lot of fans, so not the only one I've heard it from, is when playoffs come. You know, this is now we've, we're pretty sure the Bulls will make the playoffs. And, you know, when Caruso and Ball come back, they'll be guarding, you know, the Trey Young or whoever that is. Io's not doing that anymore, you know, when it gets to a playoff game. And what the Bulls are missing, you know, people say, well, they got size, missing size, power forward. I don't, I don't think so much as much of that as kind of a, a you know a shooter off a Lou Williams kind of guy and and those somebody like that can steal you a playoff game you know Zach's off you know the Mars being defended whatever you have somebody come in in the second or third quarter and score like 12 quick points and it and it gets you through a drought and and that's off 
difference in a playoff game. The Bulls don't have anybody like that other than Kobe White. You know, he's not the pure catch and shoot. Miami's got more of those kind of guys because they concentrate. That's who they scout. And that's why they passed on Io. You know, they had looked at him a lot. They had scouts here, but, you know, their their priority is shooter, shooter, shooters. Max Struess, you know, was with the Bulls briefly, Duncan Robinson. They've done great hero. You see who they draft. You know, you see what their philosophy is, and it makes sense in, in building a team. I like what they did, and Phoenix did a lot of that when they had Nash there. They wouldn't take the best player, but they would take the player who fit them the best. I mean, Miami's really good at that. And Chicago is getting good at – is very good at that with Karnisavis – you know, moving on from uh, Thies after that trade, you know, because it didn't fit well with Vucevic, even though he's, they said, well, we need a forward and a bigger guy. But, you know, let's not forget, when Kobe was a rookie, he went nine games, averaging 26 points. Uh, there's nobody I – I don't think there's anybody coming off the Bulls bench who scored 20 points a game once in their career. I mean, so that's a big difference when you could have a guy – and I don't know what they're thinking when trade deadline comes and all that sort of stuff. But I, I would not be quick to give up on somebody who could score like that and has a scorer's mentality, especially with a reserve group that does that. And, and, and Sam, your point is, is, is 100% correct. And I have said this a, a lot about Kobe White. I mean, when they try to make him a point guard the last couple of years, that was a major mistake. But right. he – he can come off the bench and score you 20 a game. You're absolutely right. And he could have a 10, 12, 15-year career doing that, much like Jamal Crawford did his entire career, much like Lou Williams has done his entire career. And the ultimate was Vinnie Johnson coming off the bench and just lighting it up and winning games, you know, coming off the bench. So your point is well taken. However, if they, you know, he is their one trade piece. I don't think they really have anything else. So, Ultimately, we'll see how Karnishevis views the subject. But I do agree with you. I think Kobe White will have a long career, whether here or elsewhere, coming off the bench and scoring 20 a game. I agree with you. You know, just because you have the job doesn't mean you're good at the job. Us included, I'm sure, too. People would say at different times. But <laughs> NBA people make this mistake all the time. You see it in scouting all the time. They pick according to, well, you know, if you're if you're six two, you could be a point guard. If you're six five, you're a shooting guard. If they, you know, so all those guys you mentioned, Lou Williams, Jamal, yeah, you know, and they all came in, they said, Well, you're point guards. Well, they weren't point guards, Kobe, not a point guard. But you could be something else. You know, you, you know, it took several coaches and six or eight, they figured out Lou Williams, you know, you're a six foot shooting guard. It's okay, but if we put you there, you can help, you can do some stuff. But if you, if you go to point guard, it's, it'd be the same thing if you said we got a, 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 a criticism recently when he was trying to and, and Trey Young at a big game. Well, you know what? Put DeMar Rosen on Trey Young, too, and see what happens. You know, if you put a guy in the wrong position, you can make him look bad. But if you put a guy in the right position, Evan is good at that. He's good at putting guys in the right position to succeed, and I trust he'll be able to do it. But the NBA always makes me with that and, and often it takes four or five years to figure out Chauncey Billups was originally like a shooting guard small forward you know something they've been a lot of times eventually figure it out and 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 Kobe White looks like you know a good not not a pure catch and shoot guy but but a good guy who can score off the bench has a scoring mentality 
but you know, don't give them the ball to make plays. Pass it. Have and, and finally, you know, with the additions of Lonzo Ball and Caruso, they've got guys to do that. And, and you know, once they come back, I think Kobe will be in a better position for that. Points well taken. A couple more minutes with Sam Smith. Appreciate it, Sam. Uh, I guess this got a little bit more traction again the last couple of days. I don't totally understand it other than it's a money grab somehow, some way, this in-season tournament. I don't know how they can even talk about that during the COVID era yeah. of the NBA. It just sort of astounds me. Maybe somewhere down the road, but, I mean, what, what do you make out of all that? I mean, first and foremost, it's a money grab across the board, but what do you make out of that whole situation? Well, I, I give I give the commissioner that they try to be innovative, and, and, and the play-in tournament, I think, has been great, you know, and I think that worked well. I'll continue that. Uh, you know, puts puts more teams in position. I'd like to see it in baseball, too, you know, an extra wild card or whatever the case. You know, all these sports essentially have become local sports. The more you keep local fans in involved, the more you keep them involved in the league, you know. Yeah, they'll tune in to watch Michael Jordan or, you know, whatever the biggest guy is, maybe LeBron. But they're not, you know, they're not going to watch necessarily Phoenix and Milwaukee, whatever occurred, with, you know, there. Uh, it's going to be tough. So that's why I thought the play-in was really a great idea, you, you know, to keep fans in longer in local teams and and also cut, you know, cut out a, a, a little bit, li- limiting the, you know, the, the teams that dump. There's always going to be a couple of teams that, you know, throw games for a draft pick or whatever, but there'll be fewer because you'll think if you're closer to the getting into a play-in, playoff situation, who knows? I, I also don't get the, I understand, you know, I, I've, I've been told soccer does it, but, you know, soccer, whatever. I don't even know what goes on in soccer. And they got different leagues and, and different divisions, none of which the NBA has. Um, it, 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 you, exactly what you said. I mean, it, it seems incomprehensible to me. Now, forget the virus. I mean, the virus, you can't, whatever. You know, we, we barely have legitimate NBA games now because of what's been going on. But once that hopefully is passed, I, I just don't see how you can get NBA players with the with the ex, excess care, the medical staff take care of these players and and the proliferation of injuries to go commit to uh, in the middle of the season to play at a high level in a tournament situation. It, I, I know what they're basically saying. They're basically saying we're having trouble keeping people interested in the whole regular season. What could we do about that? Um, yeah, so that's one. You know, that's one suggestion. I just don't I'm with you. I don't see I don't see it being workable. But you know what? The guys who have the ball at home when they feel like and if they say there's going to be a midseason tournament, <laughs> there'll be a midseason tournament. Whether anybody's interested in it, you know, who knows? I think the idea is saying is, hey, you know, it's like big three or any of these stupid things, you know, that they go on TV. If we put it on TV, people will watch it. <laughs> and so maybe they will. Yeah, yeah, you're you're right about that. All right, one last one, Sam. Uh, you know, we've we've sort of talked about this on and off throughout COVID, COVID, COVID. Uh, teams are playing with guys pretty much off the street nowadays. The NBA is just obviously just trying to get games played, and and you know, another one was uh, uh, canceled tonight between uh, what was it, Denver and uh, Denver. Golden State, and Draymond Green you know, went on Twitter and just ripped the NBA, but. I don't know what else they could do. They're just trying not to cancel games. And as you said, get to spring and then have everybody, hopefully this 
thing will have to have a legitimate, you know, late run to the playoffs and then legitimate playoff run. I mean, is that is that how they're looking at it? Because if they cancel games, again, the bottom line is the bottom line. They just don't want to lose money. Well, it's also if they want to have a complete season, you know, get, you know, get on their schedule and all, you know, networks. It's not so much losing money. It's promises they to TV and programming and, you know, they're, you know, they're sort of you know people they have to respond to as well you know i'm not i agree with the league i'm not for you know pausing or anything like that you know we all have to qualify this doctors yada yada whatever but i i don't get this testing of of people without symptoms you know i'm not i haven't studied it i'm not one of those people who and i am vaccinated i got Heck, I got every shot. I got booster. I got a flu shot. You know, I I take shots every day just, you know, just to get in practice. You know, but but, life is about doing what you can, protecting yourself, doing the taking care of yourself, doing the best. And then there's risk and there's general risk in life. And if you go looking for something, as the NBA seems to be doing, I don't I don't understand this. You know, you know, I know they say if you go, if you, I'm not diminishing doctors either, and I want to get into too much of this. But but if you go to a doctor and you ask them to find something, they can find uh, because this this uh, my my doctor said it, it said I'm I'm in my seventies now, and I know you're going to say you don't look it, but <laughs> but he said well you know pretty much six fifty or sixty percent of you know your you and your friends have pot, prostate cancer. <laughs> You know, we can find it if you want us to look for it, you know, but, you know, so have stuff. I understand being sick, but like with the Bulls, nobody was sick. It was the most amazing thing. You know, they, they're out 10 days in quarantine and they're in their they're in hotel rooms. They got them separated and they're jumping rope and they're they're doing push ups and they're running around building up sweats. I mean, and that's what I think the players are confused about. We're not sick, you know, and and. You know, if we take precautions, wear masks where we should, you know, separate, do whatever we do. And, and they are. I haven't been allowed to be near a player all season. I'm not having traveled because of the restrictions with the league. We can't be near players, talk to them one on one at all. You know, that that let them play. You know, you got 20,000 people in the arena. I know in the United Center, you, you, you know, there's 20,000 people in the arena. You know, they're not being tested. I guarantee you, if you tested all of them, you're going to find a lot of people who have the virus. So stop testing everybody who's not sick every day. And that's where I would be. And then and, and if you're sick, look, guys get sick all the time anyway and take off. It happens every year. I know, you know, it's a funny thing. We always used to joke about it because the players were always sicker than the media. You know, and we, we were the worst shape and we ate the worst that kind of stuff. You know, but these guys are in and out, you know, never wearing coats. They're running around in the winter. You know, they go from warm weather to cold weather. So you understand why they got sick. But guys would have flus all season long. You know, it happens out when you're sick and then you come back. You know, now to me, the NBA's made this kind of arbitrary because they've they've forced people into these protocols by this excess of testing. And I, I think they've hurt themselves and, and, and it's become somewhat hypocritical because before it was a ten day quarantine and then it was a day quarantine. Now it's now it's a six day quarantine with the league, but five days with CDC. So, you know, is that how could it be science if everybody has a different opinion on it? I'm not saying it's not scientific, but the, the point is we really don't know for sure. So instead of going all the way and say, let's put everybody in the basement, let's see what happens. You know, 
let them let them let them go out and play. Right? So I think we've gone a bit overboard on this, but that's just let me say that that's my opinion. I I am not researching it, and I'm not an epidemiologist. I'm just somebody who's going. I am. I do not want to watch Joe Johnson playing basketball anymore. <laughs> it's so funny because I saw I covered a couple of those big three uh, games that were in Milwaukee yeah. and Chicago in the summer, and Joe Johnson was playing in those games, and so were some of the other guys. And uh, no offense, Joe Johnson was a great player, or I should say, a really good player once upon a time. But come on, come on, uh, you know. So, yeah, unfortunately, what was going on in the NBA right now, like I said, they're, they're calling some guys in off the street for the for the most part. But whatever. Hopefully we get through all this. Sam, I could talk to you all night uh, about the past, about the, the present and, and the future. But I don't want to take up all your time, even though even though I know this is the highlight of your night. And even though, you know, I have nothing else to do and I'm going to go back to the basement and like like the only other NBA players and do my jump rope there. <laughs> hey, we appreciate it. Mr. Sam Smith, he works for Bulls.com right now. He's written books. You can still get them all over the place. Uh, we appreciate your time. time is Sam. Good to see you, David. Good to I look all forward right. to seeing it again.